I'd like to start this morning by talking about something that I am thankful for. It's something that all of you should also be thankful for because it impacts you even as it impacts me. In fact, nobody in this room is not impacted by this. Gravity. You know, this ball here does that because of gravity. Falls to the ground. But what you may not either know or maybe you've just forgotten, or maybe it's just not something you think about, is that it's not just the Earth that is exerting force on this ball. This ball also exerts its own force because everything with mass has a gravitational force. It's just the Earth is gigantic and the ball is not. And so its force is far greater and it pulls the ball to it. Why do I share that with you? I want to suggest that throughout our lives, there are all kinds of objects with mass that are pulling us in different directions. Some are very strong, they're big like the earth, and so they pull us harder than other things do, but that we all have them. For example, if you have kids, that is a giant gravitational force in your life. They pull you in all kinds of directions. And you make certain decisions because of your kids that you might not make if you didn't have them. In fact, you make decisions because that pull is so strong, even against some of the things you might want to do. Because that pull is stronger than some of the others. Your past, your background, your hurts, your successes, your job. These are all things that are exerting force. They're pulling you. Some are stronger than others. You all know, or most of you do. If you don't, you know now. We're having a fourth child. I turned 45 this year. That has had an impact on me. Because now I know I'm going to be one of those parents that when I go to parent night, somebody's going to go, oh, you bought your grandpa. No. But what it did is I went, all right, if I'm going to have this kid, I still want to be able to have some energy. I want to be in shape. And so I began to exercise more. I have begun to eat better, lost some weight, because the gravitational pull for me to be in shape, for me to be present for that child is stronger than my desire for brownies. My brownie mass is much smaller right now than it is for exercise, eating right, and being healthy. Now, unfortunately, my beer mass is still bigger. <laughs> I'm working on it, but it's still bigger than the rest. But we all have these things pulling us, some stronger, some weaker. This summer, we want to do a series in 2 Corinthians chapters four through eight, and it is a series on gravitational forces in the life of the Apostle Paul. What is it that kept Paul on track? What were these larger masses that were pulling him, that were more important? In fact, for the next three weeks, we're gonna look at a single theme, do not lose heart. What helped the Apostle Paul not lose heart? 
And we'll see three of these big masses that pulled on him more than other things. Other things where he might have lost heart. And we'll ask the question, can we have the same larger forces in our lives so that we're pulled in kingdom-first ways? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we pray you open our hearts. Speak to us wherever we are, Lord. I pray for an openness, and I pray for your spirit to have his way with us. Lord, encourage and equip us in all areas of life to live kingdom first, every day of every week of every year, for your honor and glory. In Christ's name, amen. If you would, please open up your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, you can just listen, or if you'd like to grab one, there's some in the back. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What is it that was so large in the apostle's life that it pulled him so that he would not lose heart? Verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. All right. Three questions I want to answer. Number one, what does it mean to lose heart? Number two, why might the Apostle Paul lose heart? And number three, why didn't he? And that brings us back to what's that force, that gravitational force in his life. So what does it mean to lose heart? Why might the Apostle have lost heart? And why didn't he? What does it mean to lose heart? Verse two, But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. All right, to lose hearts, it can mean to give up. It can mean to quit. It can mean to be so overwhelmed That you just say, I'm done, I'm walking away. That is one of the meanings. However, there's a different meaning, it's connected to that, and it's the meaning that Paul is going for here. It's not to give up, but to give in. It is to feel so overwhelmed, beaten down, cheated, failure, whatever it would be, that you begin to act in underhanded ways. You begin to cheat. You begin to give in to the bitterness. You begin to be as angry as the angry person that was angry at you. You start taking those characteristics. And that's what he means when he says, we do not lose heart, but instead, we continue to do things with integrity. We continue to do them the right way. He says, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. Believer, non-believer, Greek, Jew, doesn't matter. Nobody should be able to look at the Apostle Paul, according to his words, and say, I've done anything underhanded. You may not agree with me, but I'm doing it in the right way. In this case, not losing heart means not giving in. Have you ever felt abused? Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Have you ever felt like you've just failed so much, what's the point? And so you give in. Maybe you cheat because you've watched other people cheat and they've got a head and you're tired of being the one that's passed over. 
So you go ahead and cheat. Maybe it is you're tired of all the things happening to you and you felt it growing in you and you just decide, I don't care anymore. I'm just gonna be mean and angry. Like other people are being mean and angry to me. Is there a way in your life, a relationship, a job, is there some way in which you have given in or you are giving in? Back in 1947, a man named William Samillo was a bus driver in the Bronx. He'd been a bus driver for 16 years. But one morning, he had had enough. His words were, not right in front of me, Um, his words were, This New York traffic gets you. It's like driving in a squirrel cage. And I just want to get away from everything. Here's what he did. He went to work one morning, just like he always does. He got into his bus, like he always does. He began driving, like he always does. And then he went from the Bronx to Florida. (laughs) In his bus. And he stayed for two weeks with his bus. The only reason he ended up coming back is because at some point, he ran out of money. And then he called to get some more money, and instead of money, detectives were sent to arrest him. But do you blame him? I mean, have you ever just wanted to go, I'm tired of all of this? And it's not just giving up. He stole the bus. It's giving in. It's all the anger, it's the, it's the frustration, it's the hurt, it's all those things that you finally just go, that's it, I'm getting back at you. And so you top in your bus and you drive to Florida for two weeks and stay at the beach. Do you get it? I do. I understand why I might lose heart and give in. Why would Paul? What was Paul going through that he would say, we don't lose heart? What was his difficulty? I'm going to read his specific one here, but first I just want to tell you, if you've read through his epistles and through Acts, you will know that this guy did not have an easy life. After he came to Christ, well, even coming to Christ, he gave up a high position within Judaism where he was respected, where the high priest was willing to do things because Paul was asking, he gives this up to basically be on the run the rest of his life, to be persecuted the rest of his life. So he sacrifices that, and when he sacrifices it, it's not as if God just goes, all right, thank you, Paul, for making that huge sacrifice on my behalf. From now on, the mansion over there is where you get to live, And all things will go your way. No, he makes this giant sacrifice, giving up everything for God. And then he will live this life where he is backstabbed, betrayed. He goes through seasons where he has no food and no place to live. He will be physically abused. I mean, so many times that you lose count. And this becomes this guy's life. None of that sounds like... God, I just gave you everything. 
And now God goes, okay, let's see if you really gave me everything. No wonder Paul almost lost it. No wonder he has to say we don't lose heart. Anybody looking at his life would go, this guy's going to lose it at some point. This guy's going to take his bus and he's going to drive away from Jerusalem and go to a beach somewhere. But there's a specific thing happening that he mentions here. Look at verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me restate it. Even though my ministry is failing quite often, that's what he just said. Even though what I am preaching is veiled and there's all these people who aren't accepting, and by the way, every city he goes into, every village he goes into, there are far more people who reject what he's doing than accept it. All right, let me give you just from Corinth an extreme example of this. Corinth is one of the most prominent cities in the Roman Empire during this time. It's estimated that a million people lived in Corinth. It's also estimated that there were anywhere between four and six house churches with like a dozen people in each of them. So let's just take the round number 50. Paul's converted 50 people out of a million. That's not a very good record. Our church is larger than what Paul did in Corinth. And we are real big. Can you understand why he might lose heart? I mean, how can you sacrifice everything that Paul sacrificed? And yet, all of this is happening to you. Your ministry doesn't seem to be successful quite often. You're being persecuted. You're, you're shipwrecked. And all this stuff's happening. How is it that he doesn't just go, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go be like everybody else. I'm going to find ways. I'm going to manipulate people. I'll get them into the kingdom and show them I can be successful. He does none of that. He does not give in. There's a scholar by the name of William Barclay. And I want to tell you his story, very short. But before I do, I want you to again think, what are the things going on in your life where it, either you are giving in, you want to give in, it would be easier to give in. What's happening in your life right now? How are you being persecuted? How are things happening to you that are unfair? Um, how is it that your job isn't working out like you thought it was supposed to work out? How is it that your neighbors are not the neighbors you would ever have wanted and you're stuck with them? What's happening in your life where you would like to give in? How in the past have you already given in? And here's what I want to say to you. I am not here to judge you or condemn you for whatever you have done. Here's why. I've given in. I've given in multiple times. I have acted in ways that are so unchristlike, manipulated people, attacked people, allowed somebody else's anger to become my anger. Have you given in? Maybe it was the way you acted. Maybe it was using drugs or alcohol to somehow mitigate it. Maybe you've given in. 
I am not here to condemn you. I'm here to give you hope that giving in is not the only way. William Barclay, uh, he's a pretty famous scholar. He's written a lot. And when his daughter was 21 years old, she got in a boating accident. Her fiancé was with her. Both of them died, 21 years old. In his own autobiography, he wrote this. God did not stop that accident at sea. Remember Paul saying, even if our gospel is veiled, even if I fail, which is happening, even if I am beaten, even if this happens, even if I have no food, even if all... But he still did still the storm in my own heart so that somehow my wife and I came through that terrible time still on our own two feet. You could easily see how bitterness... I mean, this is a guy who devoted his life to Christ, writing commentaries, writing books, serving him, and then he loses his daughter at 21. But not only does the bitterness of that not overwhelm him, but listen to this. An anonymous person wrote a letter to him. If you are a popular scholar, it means this. You have people who like you, and you have people who don't like you. No popular scholar just has everybody love them. Somebody wrote an anonymous letter to William Barclay, and he said, the letter says this. I say he. We don't know who it was, he or she. I know why God killed your daughter. And you can hear it in that language. It was to save her from the corruption of your heresies. Here's what Barclay wrote in his own spiritual autobiography. If I had known the writer's address... I would have written back. Now, I'm going to fill in my blank. I would have written back, and it would have been ugly. I'd have let this person know exactly, because I would let their ugliness become my ugliness. I would have given in. He says this, if I had known the writer's address, I would have written back in pity not anger, saying, as John Wesley once said, your God is my devil. The only option is not giving in. There is a way that we can under, we can take everything that is coming into our life, even the way that Paul did, the way that William Barclay did, the way that countless others have. And instead of giving in, there's a different option. How is it that Paul didn't give in, didn't lose heart? Go back into your Bible. Look at verse five. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. Make a comment, and then I'm going to pull this all together in a minute. Paul knows exactly what he's doing. Paul knows his mission. We are not doing this. This is what we are doing. We are proclaiming Jesus Christ, and we're doing it for your sake. 
He knows his mission. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, a reference all the way back to Genesis, has shown in our hearts, because there's a darkness in us, and in the way that God said in the beginning, let there be light, and it shines in the darkness, so he has said into our darkness, let there be light, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I have been rescued by God, and I know exactly what my ministry is. And now jump back up to verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Why does Paul not lose heart? Because he has this ministry by the mercy of God. Let me explain, because this is where I think it gets really important, and I want to try to get this big object in his life. There are lots of reasons in lots of circumstances why we would not lose heart. It might be that you are so well trained in something that even as it gets hard, you keep going because you have more and more things you can try. You're so well trained. You might not give up in something because you are in such great shape and have such good willpower that you just keep pressing on and you don't give up. You might keep doing a particular job because you have to. You know if you quit this job, and maybe you're the only provider for your family, and if you quit the job, you have no food. And so there's a need, and that need is so strong that it gives you the willpower to keep going. There's lots of ways that you and I don't give in fully. We don't give up. However, let me ask you if this is true of you, because it's true of me. I don't think there's a single thing that depends solely on me that at some point I still don't give in. I just don't have enough willpower. I don't have enough training. I don't pray enough. Whatever it takes. If it depends on me, there's always a failing point. Somewhere along the line. I may get further than this person, but not as far as this person, but I'm going to fail at some point because it depends on me. So please hear me. This is what I'm not telling you. The way that you give in, if you want to avoid it, is not just try harder. Don't get more theological education as if that's going to solve it. However, Paul's looking at this very differently. It's not on him at all. What Paul has said is God has given something to me. God has given me a ministry by his mercy. And I'm focused on the fact that I've been given this gift. And I'm working out of this gift. You know what? My gospel is veiled sometimes. But it's not on me to make everybody converts. So it's okay. Like I'm trusting God with it. I'm more going, I'm so thankful that I have this gift. I'm just going to work as a partner to God. I'm part of what he's doing. I don't have to focus on all my failures. When people are mean, I don't have to defend myself because, you know what? It's not about me. I'm doing something on behalf of God. Honestly, if you're attacking me, you're attacking God. As long as I'm not being a jerk. If I'm being a jerk, you're attacking me. But if I'm doing what God has called me to do, attack me, because you're not really attacking me, you're attacking God. That's how Paul sees it. This is what God has given me. And the only thing that I can do, I have control over one thing. I'm gonna be faithful to him. I can't control whether I fail or succeed. Let me give you a different example. 
most everybody in here, if not everybody, you've got kids. We all have kids as a gift from God. It is a ministry. Now, Paul proclaims it. This is my ministry. Parents, we need to proclaim at times to ourselves, this is my ministry from God. He's given this to me. You cannot control the outcome of the ministry. You can only control your faithfulness to God through it. And if you can do that, you can leave the rest to him. When your kids are rebelling and doing the things that all kids do, instead of taking it personally, all you can do is say, I'm doing what God has called me to do, and I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep being faithful instead of giving in. And you know what? Especially with your kids, I give in a lot. I mean, you heard me last week as I was describing the flower bed. I mean, it's easy because your kids know every button to push, and they can push those buttons without trying. It's kind of like they wake up, and they're already pushing buttons. Like you haven't even gotten in the room yet, and they're pushing buttons. They know how to make you get riled up. Here's Paul going, by the grace of God, I have these as a ministry. Your spouse, that's a gift from God. Your job, that's a gift from God. Now, it doesn't mean you have to stay in your job forever. But if you can step back and go, God, I hate this, because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there were times when Paul woke up and his head was on a rock, and he hadn't eaten for two days, and he was whipped three days before that, and Paul was not going, I am so thankful, this is awesome, I want everybody to have this experience. I think I'm gonna start a tour company where everybody gets to go through what I'm going through. It'll sell like hotcakes. I guarantee you, he woke up some days going, this sucks, but by the mercy of God, this is still his gift. I'm still doing his ministry. This is not personal against me. I'm going to trust him still. And he kept looking to God. I read this story, and it was a number of years ago. It was in 2009, but the story stuck with me. Um, there was this young boy named Matt Ziesel. He went to high school in Missouri, and he was on the freshman football team. But he went through the entire season without playing. Sat on the bench the entire season. And the coach would say every game, like 10 times during the game, Coach, when are you going to put me in? Coach, when are you going to put me in? Just kept asking. Game after game after game after game after game. And you know what? The kid never gave in. He never got angry. He never got bitter. He never just got to a point where he's like going to his parents saying, hey, I'm really mad about this. Can you go talk to the coach for me? Which, of course, I know none of your parents, you guys would get involved in that. But sometimes parents stick their noses in things they probably shouldn't. Wow, I've got all these parents out there going, hmm, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but he never seemed to give in. Let me tell you something, about, something else about this kid. Last game of the season. St. Joseph's in Missouri is losing 46 to nothing. And finally, the coach calls Matt and says, it's time to get you in. But before he puts it in, he runs to the other side of the field to talk to that team. 
because Matt has Down syndrome. And he got the other team to agree to let Matt get the ball and run it all the way down the field. The other team went after him and pretended to tackle, and his team cheered for him and blocked for him all the way down until he scored a touchdown on the last game of the season. Now, this team over here, they gave up a blowout. That was worth it. This team over here, they gave up the end, trying hard, whatever. They all got something far more than what they gave up by giving this kid an opportunity for something amazing. But I don't tell you the story for that part. I tell you for this. The reason Matt didn't get upset is because he still got to wear the jersey. He was on the team. He cared more about being on the team than anything else. Whether he played or failed or dropped the ball or anything, he was part of the team. That's what we're called into. That's Paul's big vision. He's part of what God is doing. And he sees this as, like, this is God's mercy saying to me, come join me. And yes, things will get bad. Don't take it personally. Focus it back on the ministry. Focus it on me. I can handle it. I'm big enough. And trust me, yes, there's going to be failures. In fact, here's the reason why this is so important. Can I just tell you the bad news, which you all know? You're going to continue to have a rough life. There's no getting around it. You're going to continue to be screwed in times. You're going to continue to be treated unjustly. You're going to continue to be passed over. You're going to continue to be backstabbed. That's life. It's going to keep happening in a fallen world. When William Smillo, the guy who stole the bus, when he came back, do you know what happened? All the other bus drivers were at the police station and they cheered for him. (laughs) You know why they cheered? Because they all wanted to take the bus and go to Florida. Because every one of them was experiencing what he was experiencing. But you know what? They ended up raising some money. They were going to do his legal fees for him and all this stuff. And in the end, they just dropped the charges. But do you know where William ended up? Back driving the bus again. (laughs) Because that is life. And unless you think that somehow you're either going to find this magical unicorn fairy world or you are just super powerful and somehow you're going to be able to just overcome all of it, you have a different option. You can begin to see that God has given you so much. According to the scriptures, even your breath is from him. And begin to see more of your life as a gift and work out of that gift. Doesn't mean that things won't be hard, but the focus is different. Doesn't always have to be personal. And there's a strength in trusting God that is not there when you are on your own. Paul's massive gravitational force begins by saying, I got this ministry from God. And I am working out of that gratefulness, out of that mercy, out of that 
godness, not me. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to see the many gifts that are in our lives because life is hard. Because every one of us experience daily at times difficulty, challenge, and we know the challenges won't go away. Lord, help us to change our perspective. Help us to focus on the fact that we're wearing the jersey, that we're on your team. Help us to remind ourselves of the various ministries you have in our lives, the gifts, that we can see them in that way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.